Get ready for the world's greatest Arsenal podcast. Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. My name is Fergus, I am your host. I'm joined tonight by old man Trev as usual, Big Tony and Dan Potts. And later in the show, uh, uh, Princess Schooner Amanda is going to join us uh, to talk about 1989. Um, we are going to look at the Brighton game and the experience that we had at the game, the, the joy being back at the football. And then we've got just a season finale roundup um, where we're going to look at a few uh, different things of, of, of who your favourite player and goal, etc., etc. was. Um, Trevor has asked if we could do something about Tony because he seems to talk too much and he's very, very loud. So Tony's audio was a little bit quiet today. So he's going to be doing a bit of ground control and holding his microphone right close to his face so we can try and hear him. But that's, hey, listen, it's Trevor's request. And, you know, the old man, last game in the uh, last podcast of the season, you can't deny him it, can you really? Trev, how are you? Yeah. I'm fine, thank you, mate. No, I agree. We need to shut him up. He never stops. So, all good. Quietly, it's the better for me because he talks a load of crap anyway. And he can't respond now because his mic's muted. So, let's have fun while we can. Hello, hello, Dan. <laughs> hello, Big Tone. Um, looking forward to this one, actually. Looking forward to this one. We're going to review the season, aren't we? We're going to talk about the weekend. We've got loads to talk about. So, and we're going to have some vastly different opinions. And, and hopefully, it will turn out interesting. And we'll have a big man up at the end and agree to disagree. But let's see how it goes, eh? So, somehow, I think there will be some disagreement in this group. <laughs> um, there will be different views. Listen, I've got different views to you, Trev. And uh, you sent me a message after being at the football. And I think it was something along the lines of, bloody hell, you don't half watch, watch football different to me. And I went, oh, I'll be interested. You know, it, it, and that is what football's about. We all have different views, but we all have one common goal, which is we love our football teams, and we love meeting our friends and and, and having a beer and, and meeting up with Dan. How are you, mate? Haven't had you on for a few weeks. Sorry, I just timed that perfectly, didn't I? Um, you've, <laughs> you, you've, you've, um, I didn't manage to get over and see you at the Tolly. Uh, we will talk about the meeting with people in the pubs and stuff in a few minutes. I didn't manage to get to see you uh, on Sunday. Apologies for that, but Arsenal, uh, the Arsenal Stasi stopped all that. So, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, yeah, all right. Thanks, mate. Yes, good to be back on with you, boys. Always enjoy coming on Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Good to see Tone. Good to see Trev. Good to see yourself, Ferg. Um, yeah, it was nice to see people at the game, I must admit. But um missed you too, if I'm honest with you. But all different pubs and all different blimmin' directions and roadblocks and everything, wasn't it? So a bit of a mess. But do you know what? It was good to get back to normality, mate. And I'm glad to be back on tonight. Brilliant. Thank you. Tony, Earth calling Tony. Are you there, Tony? Is Can you hear me? Loud and clear? Yeah, we just clear, can't talk not loud. over you. We... <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can hear you. That's enough. <laughs> Tony, Tony, first thing to say to you is Monday was your birthday. Very happy birthday for your month uh, for your for uh, for Monday. Um, shame uh, you couldn't manage to get a ticket and get down and see us uh, for the game and a few pints. Um, yeah, but I hope you had a good day, mate. Mate, it was a good day. Yeah, good day with the family. Um, stay at work with the boys is always fun. It's, uh, it's Arsenal only in the office, so it's pretty good, mate. Um, can you hear me now? Yeah, you're just gonna have to keep it very close. I don't know what it's, I don't know what's gone wrong. Oh, it's Trevor. He tampers with my stuff. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, I know he does. <laughs> let me let me see it's if I can do something at this because it covers his face up. 
<laughs> right. Try talking. Try talking now. I've just I've just um, messed around with your audio on there. Can you hear me now? I can hear you better. Yeah, a little bit better. I'm, I don't know, mate. The one thing I've never struggled with is, is sound on this uh, on this podcast. So apologies if you can't hear me. Um, no, it's yeah, fine. Mate, it's fine. It's better. Good, good day, Monday. Good day. I, I did have the opportunity to go Sunday. I, I got offered uh, actually two or three tickets. Just decided not to go. Uh, I just fancied a bit of a break, mate, if I'm honest. Took myself away from from a few people and just, just had a sort of a couple of nights on the bank fishing. Um so yeah, it wasn't that I couldn't go to game or, or couldn't get tickets. It's just I decided to have a complete weekend break from it all, mate. Clear the head uh, and sort of. Uh, did you catch yeah. anything? Nah, did I? Fuck. Her apologies. <laughs> must, must have been must have been fun time. Uh, no, it's, uh, I'm, I'm I'm on a bit of a bad streak, mate. If I'm honest, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Well, well, we'll change subject, mate. Yeah. Listen, everybody in the chat, um, feel free to join in. Uh, Trev's dropped off for a second. He's going to be back with us in a second. Um, yeah, uh, we're going to now look at that game that was on um, uh, the Arsenal Brighton game. Uh, I met with I met with um, with uh, Johnny and I met with uh, Trev beforehand. We went to the Woodbine. We had a couple of beers. Flipping neck. I look old in that picture. I look very, very, very wrinkled in that picture. Uh, but you know what? I think it was probably the shock of um Trev bought beers. I couldn't believe it. As always. He actually <laughs> bought beers. <laughs> Tony, it, it, it was five whole pints of Guinness, 26 English pounds. You will when, not. When the messages come across, I'm so glad I was sitting down in my chair because I nearly collapsed. <laughs> <laughs> but but all, all jokes aside, we met James Power, um, who listens to the show. Um, there was Johnny from the North Bank, who's been on the show several times, uh, myself, Trevor, my brother, Rory. Um, and we were in the Woodbine, which serves the most divine pint of Guinness you could ever, ever imagine. Trev, it was fantastic. I, that, that, that feeling when I met you and Johnny outside Finsbury Park, it was Oh, spine tingling just to to feel that normality and i'm sure you felt the same meeting with nunners and all the rest in the in the tolly as well dan just being able to give people a hug being able to well not that we should do i don't oh no we are allowed legally to hug aren't we uh, but to give 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 men a hug and just say i've missed you and it was really good fun um trev your thoughts on on meeting up and the pub and then i'll go to dan Oh, Fergus, it was a great day. I loved the day. And just going back to what Dan said about the pubs, it was a shame because it would have been a great day if we could have all met up. But the problem is you have to book tables in the pubs, don't you? So once you've booked a table, you're not moving around anymore. So you, it is what it is. I had to put up with Fergus instead of meeting you. Dan, I lived with that. It was all right in the end. We got by and uh, it was wonderful. We had we had a few pints in the in the. Uh, in the woodbine, then we had a wander past the old girl and 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 headed up to the stadium, and uh, yeah, it was just great to be back. It was great to be doing what we've not done for over a year to just go to a game of football. We'll move on to what happened when we were outside the ground and inside the ground in a bit. I know, but actually going to the pub, having a few beers, talking football rubbish with other football fans was wonderful. I was so pleased to be back. And that walk down Gillespie Road uh, for you to buy battered sausages and uh, not buy a battered burger for your wife. 
um, and 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 then send her a picture of you eating battered burger, uh, battered sausages, just to rub it in. Uh, but it was great. We had a good laugh. We we actually done a little bit on 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 the Facebook page uh, of us giggling and laughing, walking down, and it was just it was just a, a joy to be had. Dan, how was how was it at the Tolly? Because you met up with Nunny and a few of the others there from our other WhatsApp group. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, a couple of weeks ago I met up with Trev, and it was it was just lovely. I mean, I met him outside the Tolly, and we had a big man hug, and we went to the protests, and that was the start of it for me. I thought we're starting to get back to normality, but actually, you know, the game being on, I didn't watch it in the pub, you see, so this was a bit different for me. So the protest um, in the first situation was 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 mega. This time, I think the rain caused some issues for that. But I was fine yeah. because actually sitting in, in the pub in front of the TV, watching a Formula One and then watching a the football with everyone else. I loved it. And it just normality. It was normality again. And um, you forget how, how you miss that. Do you know what I mean? You forget how much you miss it until you do it again and you think, wow. And we were quite lucky because Andy knows uh, the the landlord from the Tolly. So sort us at a table outside and a table inside and we could either try to take your pick really so we had a great time and um of course we got the result um as well which always makes things easier but it was just great seeing people that i didn't expect to see either you know that had come up i didn't even know we're going to the tonington and they'd come up and people that are seen us from this podcast other podcasts that i've been on and social media and stuff like that hey dan how you doing and have a beer with me and stuff just can't beat it mate you can't beat that if you miss it and um it's the main reason we all go to the football is not just to watch 90 minutes of football i can't stress that enough it is uh it was great fun really missed it we had we, we had a very similar experience in 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 the, the woodbine with like people who watch the show james had, had booked a table there there was uh, nick ike and uh, dave Murtha and paul ennis Paul Ennis is talking about man hugging and stuff like that. He's just jealous because all I did was shook his hand. You know, you, Paul, if you wanted a hug, all you had to do was ask. I, I, I would have given you a hug. So, you know, it was great to see you. Absolutely great to see you. Uh, Big T, um, the protest uh, was kiboshed to a large degree. There was a lot of um, young lads that turned up and put the flares out and, and they did make their feelings known. But it was raining cats and dogs. You're on a bank on some lake or river or somewhere in in Hertfordshire. Or <laughs> you can understand why these people didn't want to go out and get soaked and stay in the in the tolly or whatever pub they're in and keep them warm and drinking beer. Mate, totally. Yeah, I think um, and this the initial one. Obviously, the weather was good and the protest was great. The second one. I think the pubs up being open, obviously people were thinking, well, do I want to leave the pub and then struggle to get a table again? The weather wasn't great. I've heard various um, rumours about the club. Once they'd shown their ticket, you wasn't then allowed down onto the um, uh, uh, outside the ground. Um, sorry, from the south um, bridge, you wasn't then allowed to walk around the ground. So for various reasons, I think it sort of fell flat. Um, I think, again... Most of the majority of the reasons was people just didn't want to leave the pub. They were happy to be with their friends and that. Um, but yeah, it's hard to know. I, I, it seems a bit deflated, if I'm honest. But no, Trev, wait a minute, um, wait a minute, you, wait a minute, to... Ferg. Yeah, I was just—I know what you're going to say, Ferg. I'm sorry to cut you off, mate. Yeah, but go on. It, go on. It, 
it's right. Arsenal have done their own work, haven't they? They've done their own work, the Arsenal, because we come over to Ken Fryer Bridge and they had the security actually on the bridge. So no one was getting across the bridge without a ticket. Not a chance. It was very strict. So we thought, like many hundreds of others did, I would think, we'll get through here and then we'll walk round to above the armory and we can join in the protest from there because we were determined to have a protest. But what they've done is they've barricaded the top of the armory off as well and they wouldn't let you down them steps. So once you were on that concourse, you weren't going nowhere apart from in the ground, you know? So Arsenal had worked it out. Arsenal had done their own work. They, they double bluffed us. I was gutted that I couldn't get down there and join them young lads because it is important that we that we protest. I'm determined that I'm not going to stop protesting. Even as far away as I live, I'll still be down there as often as I can, doing my bit. True. Um, do you think the, but the Arsenal had done their own work. Do you think they'd, they'd done their homework because, um, more importantly, because Cronky was there in attendance? Oh, look, very likely, yeah. Very likely. Off a I, bit of ground I, I can as well. Very likely. I can expand a bit further on that. Um, uh, like, listen, first and foremost, look, Arsenal Supporters Trust paid fortunes for that billboard. Um you know that's that's not going to come cheap. Um, but uh, I was in block five, and uh, Trev was in block twenty-eight down the clock end where the family enclosure is. And we spoke on the phone, and you never get a phone reception in in in, in the Arsenal anyway. But we were able to talk on the phone, and I went, you know what? Sod this, Trev. I said this is awful. This is horrendous. We've been told to sit down. We've been told this, that, and the other. Um, and uh, I said, you know what? I think I'm just going to go and meet the lads in the tolly, and I, I, I'll watch the second half at least. There and he goes, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll probably feel the same. And I'd been to the Rapid Vienna game, and, and and Trev talked about he didn't like the atmosphere, he didn't like the way it felt, and just the experience of getting in. And there was nothing on the concourse, and he loads of women in airline Emirates airline sort of um, things hanging out free, handing out free brochures and programs right and stuff that like that. I'm sure Trev put up with that. Bit, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, he um, did. He did. But, but, but I, I'd had too but, much beer to bother that. <laughs> but 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 to, to be honest, uh, he he said to me, he said all of a sudden he said, oh look, there's two seats beside me that are not being used because all the seats that weren't allocated were covered in bags and so on, and you could see that in the TV. But there was two seats side by side that somebody didn't turn up for. I, I look if it's something that's happened in their family and it's awful, I'm, I feel sorry for them. But if they've actually wasted those seats, uh, shame on them. But uh, it helped me and Trev out, so I went to go round to see Trev and I just went to go down to the I back of him. um worst thing I told him all day. <laughs> I, I I just went to go down back at uh, the back of the dugouts but as I got closer there there was like dozens of stewards triple railings and they went sorry no you can't go through here this is only uh, this is a uh, old security uh, covid security because of the press and I thought my arse is it because of the press is because josh is in town and i had to go all the way around they've opened the away end so you could go around the whole way so i eventually did get around and, and sat with trevor and it was disastrous oh, no. from there on in really yeah it was so you yeah. know what he did boys no he sat there right top of his voice singing that bloody stupid Aubameyang song <laughs> for about <laughs> You should have just knocked him straight out. <laughs> I nearly... He's got no idea how close he was, big time, let me tell you. It's only because I love him I didn't. I was clenched and ready, drawn back, and I thought, no, I love the man. I'm not going to... 
fall out. Oh, I'll just tell you moved what, a few I'll tell you seats what, down and let him go on with it. We're in a couple of minutes. Um, both of us, I said, we're doing the pub at half time. And he went, nah, I feel I feel okay now that you're together with your mates. Like what we do, Dan, when we're in block five, we, we all can mill around and chat and stuff like that. So it, it, it did feel a bit more like normal football. Listen, the one good thing was, whatever about the songs that you want to talk about and whether you like the Obama Yang song, whether you like Stand Up If You Hate Tottenham or whatever it be, um, the the support within the stadium for the uh, the Arsenal Football Club that were on the pitch was outstanding. Um, I I didn't have a voice for several several reasons the following day, um, including that Aubameyang song. But it it was Trev. We supported. We, we got behind the team. We knew there was an ulterior yeah. motive behind it as well, and there was another um, opera, apparatus memorandum or whatever they say. God, that's posh. Um, we knew that was happening, but the, for the 90 minutes of the game, Look, there was support for the team, wasn't there? Yeah, there were, I'd have to agree it was. As soon as I walked in the ground and I looked around, I thought, this is going to be difficult today. Because it's a vast bowl, the Emirates, isn't it, as we all know. And not only is it a vast bowl, it's a bowl that's designed mainly to make money. You know, you've got a full ring of club level. You've got a full ring of executive boxes. It's hard to, to get some noise to rebound around. So I walked in and I thought, this is going to be really difficult. And during the game, I thought, oh, I don't know how we're getting on here. And I certainly didn't think that uh, the, the, the cronky out was, was very loud until after the final whistle. Then it got a bit louder. But then, in fairness to Sky... You know I'm very far from their biggest fan at Sky Sports. Yeah. When I got home, I watched the full game back on the television. And I don't know how they dressed it up, but the fans actually sounded loud throughout the whole game. And they actually made a point of going to a lot of the little Cronky out signs and then panning across to Josh Cronky. So they sort of got the message across on the telly better than we could in the stadium, really, for me, from my perspective. I hate to praise Sky, but they actually did. And so okay. all the millions watching on telly were in no doubt what the fans were about. So, you know, my view changed. Um, to, to be honest, they, they can use the effect mics very good and, and direct it. Let, let, let's, let's look at the game itself then. So the first half, Dan, I'll ask you first. Uh, it, it was a damp squib the first half. It, it, it lacked any direction, any tactics, um, uh, any... There was there was no steal. There was no there was there, there wasn't a chance in hell that we were going to score. We were just run around like headless chickens. What did you make of the first half? Then I'll go to you, Tony. Yeah, um, the the first half was pretty much sums up what we have been doing all season. Um, nothing and a lot of it. It was uh, boring to watch, unattractive, and it was a game that basically told me. Don't really matter what we do here today, boys, because we ain't got anything to play for. Let's just turn up and um, get the game done and we can concentrate on next season. Luckily, the second half uh, did pick up, but the first half for me was poor. I must admit, I do like to see now, although it be a little bit too late, some other players getting a little bit more of a, time, of a game time, which I've been calling out for for a very, very long time, um, i.e. Pepe for Willian, those sort of things. So... I was okay with the team lineup, to be honest. There wasn't anything that majorly shocked me. Um, but the game itself, yeah, only really kicked into life later on, didn't it? It was a 
it was poor. I mean, I wasn't there, obviously. I was in the pub watching it, but I was quite happy in the first half that I was because I weren't missing much. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and I was very jealous of you at that time, especially when it was a dry dry Emirates Stadium as well. And we're just charging 65 quid for a a glass of water or whatever. I don't know. We didn't didn't even entertain any of that uh, at halftime. uh, uh, Tony, Dan says we had nothing to play for in that first half, but we did. There was European football on the on the table. Uh, you know, uh, there was bragging rights on the table. Uh, and OK, uh, going in at uh, a draw with Tottenham losing, we had those bragging rights. What did you make of the first half? And did you did you feel that it was like nothing to play for? Yeah, if I'm honest, mate, you boys have summed it up. It felt like a, an end of season game where both teams were safe. Nothing really to play for. Obviously, I do think we that we had one eye on, on obviously Tottenham losing, Everton potentially losing. Um, but yeah, it, if I'm honest as well, some of the football in the first half it wasn't as bad as what Dan's made out. What I will say is attacking wise, and especially from a certain person up top, I thought the lack of movement, um, the lack of desire, the lack of um, willingness was just was dreadful. And he, he's our captain, so there's no way, you know, there's no two ways of dressing it up. He was poor. I thought he was diabolical. I thought the attitude uh, and, and his body language was disgraceful. Sunday, um, mm. there was three or four moments when we we, we sort of, was on the counter attack, and Odegaard. If you watch the game again, Odegaard has two chances to try and pass him, and Aubameyang just makes no effort to make a movement. Now again, we can go over the whole season again and certain players, but just just try. Just, just turn up and try and play for the shirt. You know, show, show that especially as fans had returned as well. Give some sort of effort. Give something back to the fans. You know, on the whole, it has been a, a diabolical season. So for one game, one game only. Just give something. The fans have returned. Um, but yeah, the first half overall was was, was pretty poor, if I'm honest. And Trev, um, first half going into the second half. The first half, me and you. They spent the first 10, 15 minutes trying to organise what we were going to do and, and so on. And then I sat there talking with you and you're going, oh, this is poor. Where's Aubameyang? He's just not turning up. And uh, like what Tony implied, we had a chat at half time. We were trying to put something up on on this platform, uh, but you just couldn't get a, uh, any reception. But um, the second half improved vastly. Uh, Party hit the bar shooting wide. Uh, you know, was that his best 45 minutes he's played for Arsenal so far? I just want to go back to the first half, Fergus, because cool, cool. it was it, it was um, it was a strange first half in that it, it looked bad. I think it looked really bad. But I honestly thought we were okay up to the final third. We were okay up until the final third. And then the big man Albert just just isn't doing it, and I'm not talking badly about him. I just don't get it why he's, why he's suddenly just not after player he was. You know what are you laughing at? What have I done? Nothing. It's just Andy F- Andy Fink in the comments said big T is as quiet as the Emirates at times. <laughs> Cheeky sob. <laughs> no, listen, listen. So first. First half, I thought we were good up to the final third. I really did think that the young lads were doing okay, but there was just no threat. We didn't bother their goalkeeper. There was no threat in that final third. Second half, second half, we still played the same up to the final third, I thought. But credit where it's due, the player that's been improving most over the last few weeks, Pepe, took it into his own hands and thought, 
I'm going to do this myself. And he did it. And he showed us how to score goals. And he showed us, he showed us most of all what we've been missing most of the season, a threat in front of goal. And as you say, I thought Parsi had his best half of football that he's had for us. And at the end of the game, we were well worth a 2-0 win. But I am, I, we're going to talk about who we need to sign, but we all know where we're heading there, don't we? We all know where we need to be, mate, because our threat in front of goal was, in the first half in particular, was horrendous. was non-existent. Non-existent. The goalkeeper could have had six points and a cigarette and he still wouldn't have let one in in the first half. He could have, but he we could have come to the woodbine we with us and we'd been all right. He <laughs> could. But we, we, I, uh, where I differ to a lot of people is that I thought we were okay till the final third. I thought we built it well. I thought we were okay till the final third and then nothing. Not even a hint of a threat. Nothing. Yeah, Gigi Gooner in the comments says the final third has been our biggest issue all season. Now, listen, Dan, me and you have had several private conversations about this next man I'm going to talk about. Um, I've maintained, and I'm very happy if I'm going to be proven wrong, but I've maintained that Pepe is not good enough for a Premier League side, uh, not uh, a top four, six uh, Premier League side. Uh, I may well be, and I'm happy to be proven no, wrong are. in the end. You are. But, but 16 goals this is this season, 22 assists, uh, finishing with five goals in the last three games, suggesting that he could be the key man for Arsenal next season. But I always maintain that he's so left-footed that he has to pull in on his uh, his left foot so much. Um, it, it, it makes it, uh, you know, I, I, I think he's a bit predictable. Thoughts on Pepe? Where I agree with you, Fergus, is the... The word frustrating comes to mind. Where I disagree with you completely is that I really think we're targeting the wrong lad here to have a pop at. Because I think when you look at how good he's been the last part of the season, I know we're coming on to who we think has been the best player of the season, but he did cross my mind because I think he's up there. His stats say he is as well. Um, the guy's not been given enough time, in my opinion, uh, in the team. He's been out of favour of Willian for two-thirds of the season, which I think is a shambolic decision by the manager and stand by it. He's starting to play him now and he's starting to score. He's starting to look a lot better. He's starting to look more confident. And if we would have signed Pepe for £30 million, which is probably, maybe even a bit too much for what he's worth, but we're probably more likely to get a £30 million uh, price tag for him if we were to sell him, I don't think he'd be getting as much stick as he did. It's not his fault that he was £72 million. We've only paid £28 million for him, believe it or not, already, because I think it works out just under £15 million per season. So I think he's been really good this season. I think that he can use both feet more than people give him credit for, but he is very predictable on that right-hand side, which is why I quite like to see Saka on the right and Pepe on the left. The other reason I'm going to give him a little bit more credit and a little bit more credit in the bank is that I played... Football at a very poor level, Sunday league. But one thing I loved was when I played on the right wing when I was a bit younger and a bit fitter and quicker. My right back behind me was consistent every single week and he was one of the best players in our team. I knew exactly where he was and the telepathy between me and him was superb. He has had 15 different options to play in front of on that right-hand side. It was Saka the other week for Chelsea. It's been Chambers. It's been Bellerin. It's been Cedric. And that sometimes we've seen other players go out there and try and do a job. Sometimes Willock and Reese Nelson have been playing behind him at times in the Europa League. So he needs to have some consistency around him, in my opinion, as well. 
And when you look at the Dave, numbers, Dave, Dave, can I just you go on, as a, as, a, as a player himself, he's improved himself. Pull your microphone to your face and take your hands away. Yeah. Christ. Do you also <laughs> think that, like, as a, as a player, he's, he's improved himself? Because before Christmas, his defensive work rate and all that was, was dreadful. It was poor. Since, and we could go back to probably the Leeds incident with a red card. Since then, mm. I think his, his work rate's better. I think he looks a, physically a stronger player. I've certainly seen a huge improvement at both ends of the pitch. And for me, since the turn of Christmas and that, he, he has been very good. I do, I do agree with you regarding Arteta when he had that f- uh, few game run. He got dropped, and he should have. He should have been um, had more confidence in the play. He should have stuck with him because he did go four or five games where he was superb, and then he was dropped. Um, but I honestly think, mate, there's been a change in Pepe since the turn of Christmas. I think physically stronger. It's like he's adapted to the league. It's like he's gone. Do you know what? It's about time I stepped up. And I actually think, like I say, since Christmas, we've seen a different, a completely different player. I think you're spot on, mate. And I think it's a great point you make about the lead sending off because I think he did get a telling off by Arteta, but he let himself down. He let the fans down that day. And he could have done totally. one or two things, couldn't he? He could have got the right ump and done a sulk and done a Gwendouzi or a Meza Ozil and either leave the club or just sit on the bench and moan and sulk. Or he could have worked his socks off. And I think he did the latter. I think that in the Europa League, he was probably our best player. And I know that he was getting more game time against the likes of Dundalk and Rapid Vienna and all those teams. But you have got to score against teams that you put in front of. And he was doing that. So I don't think that he is the world's greatest. But I look at him and think he's not the player I'm pointing the finger at moving forward. And I've said this before, and I know he's played uh, more games than Freddie Lundberg and Robert Perez did in their first two seasons at Arsenal. But if you check the numbers and compare, you ain't far off. You ain't far off at all. So let's see what we've got with this play. He's 25 years old, you know. Let's see. Dan, Dan, as I said at the start of asking this question, I, I, I've openly come along and criticised and said he wasn't good enough, but I am very, very, very happy to be proven wrong. If he turns out to be uh, a superstar player, brilliant. Look, listen, Thierry Henry started and he didn't have the first, uh, the, be- the best start with his first eight or nine games. Um, but, you know, uh, somebody that came to the club, uh, Trev, that everyone thought was a, a world beater was party and he's had a slow start. Does Pepe deserve the same sort of leeway as party has been given. Fergus, I knew you were going to move me on there, mate, and, and I'm going to do what I normally do. Cause see, <laughs> these, you got to rewind me boys, back. <laughs> these, these, boys, uh, these boys say things and I, I can't leave it. You should learn Dan, by now. <laughs> and listen, Dan, we can't pay for, we can't pay for, Pepe is 72 million for a reason. Arsenal can't pay 30 million for a player. If we pay 30 million, we get Kalazinac or Mustafi. Right? <laughs> we don't want that. That's why we have to pay a bit more, son. You know? In in defense of of, of the defense of, of his defensive selections this year, Arteta, I absolutely share your frustration with the selections. I think he's been unlucky at, at right and left back in that. We've had loads of injuries, so the changes have had to be made. We've had injuries all season at fullback. Where I get frustrated is uh, I'm a firm believer that you, your fullbacks, much like you know the, the lads that we know of from the early Wenger days and the late George Graham days, they play better when they play better when they play every week as a team. Same four, same five, every week, week in, week out, they learn off of each other. As I said, Arteta couldn't do that this year because he's got some injury-prone right and left backs. But where he has frustrated me is he's kept changing the centre backs. He's kept changing the centre-backs week in, week out. And I'd love to see him decide who his centre-back pairing is and play that centre-back pairing. Play them. 
play them week in, play them week out, and let them learn to play in front of that goalkeeper. Because I honestly think that goalkeeper needs a confident centre-half pairing in front of him because some of the things he does worries me, although he's improving. So I do feel... And, and lastly, big tone. Pepe hasn't been a different player since Christmas on his own. The whole team has been better since Christmas. I'm not a big statistics man, but the statistics show we've been a bad team since Christmas, since January, when we had a bit of a clear out. And I'm holding on to that. I'm really, really holding on to that as a sign that things are improving and are going to continue to improve. I know people have got their doubts. I know it also a lot of it's down to this summer and what we do. But I'm holding on to that little bit of hope that we've seen a, 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 an improvement this Christmas and that's going to continue into early next season because Arteta's getting into early next season for me. Let's see how we start. And then I'll start thinking about him after 10 games and see where we are. And Trev, to finish up on this game, look, you know, I know you were you were really fed up with the fact that we don't have European football and also the bragging rights, which I was uh, more upset about. Um, and you you need to go onto our website, by the way, gunsandyellowribbons.com. Uh, uh, Tony is going to be putting a couple of blogs up soon. Trev's done a couple of blogs and we've got some of the other guys from the podcast who are going to uh, put up some of their stories. And and, and it's not sensationalist, it's just genuine uh, stories. And, and, and Trev... Uh, uh, wrote about uh, his feelings about some people around us who were delighted. I wasn't delighted, but I was comfortable with the fact that we didn't get European football and Tottenham pipped us to the European spot. But listen, what you said there about since Christmas, after our defeat against Everton on the 19th of December, it seemed unthinkable. Uh, we were 15th, we were four points above relegation and 11 points behind Tottenham. We end up finishing eighth our worst finish in 25 years. Um, one point behind Tottenham, who are meant to be the most uh, progressing team, this, that, and the other around at the minute. I, th- I, 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 listen, considering we're in this transition, I can take positives. And I know, Tony, um, your blog, you've sent it to me already, and I've had a brief read of it. It's all about positivity and taking the positives from the season rather than the negatives of the season. Uh, do you want to, Two or three seconds, and then Fergus. Wait a second, Fergus. <laughs> if you send his blog to me, I'll check his spelling for you because I, I don't think it's going to be very good. So I'll I don't check know if his spelling send... in his grammar for you. I I, I don't know if I can send it to you. It's 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 in crayon, so I I don't know if I can send it to oh. you or not. <laughs> is, <laughs> his, is his middle name Harry? Is it Big Tony Harry? <laughs> <laughs> He's winding me up, Ferg. He's winding me up. <laughs> no, it, just, it, was more, it was more about obviously looking um looking at the the outlook of Arsenal and, and next season it, with a with a different spin on things. You know, I get the frustrations. We we all know the faults and flaws. We all know the faults and the flaws, and the, you know everything that's gone wrong this season. But for as bad as it's been, I do think there's a there's a there's a core of players that's that, that, where there's a foundation already built. Listen, Arteta ain't going to be as bad as he's like this season, next season. I don't care what anybody says. I, I get that he's got faults and flaws. I get he's inexperienced. But when you look at the mistakes he's made, the the circumstances he's had to deal with this season, and I'm not making excuses for him. I'm, it's facts. You know, it's facts that it's unusual. You know, you look at West Ham, how good their season's been. Look how bad Liverpool's have been on a whole. You know, City started bad. He ended, you know, there's loads of ifs, buts, maybes and all that. But the fact is, we didn't qualify for Europe. But when you look at things on paper, 
there's actually a few positivities that we can take. There's a, there's, there's a few things that we can look at. Rather than dwelling on the negatives and the stuff that we now can't change, let's look forward. Um, again, it all, it all comes down to the summer, by the way. It all comes down to the summer, whether the recruitment's right. Because I generally think there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle that are already in place. And I, and I will say this and I'll maintain it. But the criticism I've given Arteta and, and you know some of the players, a lot of the pieces of the puzzle are already in place. It's now about identifying and finding those uh, the rest of the uh, pieces of that puzzle to complete the set and help the young players flourish, develop, and also take this club forward. So, yeah, obviously, you know... No, I'm, no, I'm, no. I'm, no I, 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 I totally agree. And, and we're going to go into the season and we're going to go into what we think needs to happen. And it, it, it's all on KSE, if, if I'm, it, it, as far as I'm concerned. No matter who you got sitting in that uh, hot seat, be it... Arteta, Allegri, Simeone, um, Jesus Christ, superstar, whatever, you know, whoever's sitting in that hot, hot seat, um, uh, they need to be I, I don't think back by... to the Cronkies, Ferg, because as, as bad as they've been, as we've alluded to in the past, we have spent money. You know, the recruitment has to be right. If the player costs three million or three hundred million, it doesn't matter. What What is most important is finding the right player that's going to fit into you know, to slot into the, you know, like we just said, the pieces of the puzzle, we need those right pieces. So whether they cost 3 million or 30 million or 300 million, it doesn't matter. It's about identifying the right players that can help mm. the club go forward, move forward, you know, and start climbing the league again. Um, Listen, somebody who we're going to add to the podcast and add a bit of spice, uh, <laughs> PG, Princess Gooner, Amanda. Hello, everybody. Amanda, how are you? Oh, I'm really good. How are you? Thank you for inviting me on. Yeah. No, we're delighted to have you on. Um, Amanda, formerly off the Highbury squad, we are yep. going to look into... Uh, some other bits and pieces. Uh, we've done the, the 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 Brighton game, but to finish off on the Brighton game, I know you and um, your better half Carl were there, and unfortunately, due to the uh, Arsenal Stasi, we we, we couldn't mm. get uh, and meet, and so we we touched on that earlier. I got stuck, I um, got stuck with her instead, mate. I got stuck. With <laughs> yeah, <her> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Ruth is happy you're on. Yay! The end of season parade, um, the uh, uh, lap of appreciation, uh, myself and Trevor and the people who were around us were absolutely astounded and flabbergasted and disappointed by what uh, the club did. Um, it started off correctly, uh, recognising that... Um, it, well, hang on, Trev. Just, let, just let me. It, it, it correctly uh, recognised the people who have been lost in the pandemic, um, and the book funeral music on, which was really poor. But the timing of it and the the comparing it was awful. Um, and then they come along, still with funeral music playing, and half the names uh, not they got to about the letter K when they stopped because it seemed very, very rushed. Um, they said some play players will stay, some players will go. Bye bye, David Louise. Everyone clap, David Louise, and then they all run off the pitch. What did you, what did you make of that debacle? In my view, well, after all that, um, I should have told you at the beginning. I didn't stay. There is no way I'm going to clap off these players after this season. So, I, and to be honest, they went down the tunnel, and I didn't actually think they'd have the gall to come out and do anything. But um, so I don't know. 
this is the first time hearing about it. We sounds sort of, like you missed the pantomime, PG. Yeah, I just, you know what, <laughs> you know, you know, Dan, that I'm very much pro Arteta. You know that, um, but I, I, I can't be two faced and and sit there and say it's been a wonderful season just to just to you sort of back up my feelings of where it's going to go next season. Um, so I didn't stay. I'm and unfortunately. After I left you, Dan, in the pub, it was like going through airport security to even get in the stadium. Mm. I was absolutely livid. Yeah. We were treated like, like, like criminals. I mean, I was probably a bit dramatic, but we had to queue for it. Was it, it was strange, but I shouldn't say criminals. We were just treated like second-class citizens. That's what I think I mean. Um, but it was lovely to be there. It was it was great, um, albeit the fact that I was in a completely different area, different seat. I was really it was really surreal. It just felt so strange after not being there for a year. Mm. Trev, uh, final uh, final words on that, and then we'll get on to the season finale, and uh, and then we we'll look back at a wonderful day yeah, of nineteen eighty nine. It was embarrassing, Fergus. They came out on a field. They basically. Gobbled off David Louise for five minutes. Had a quick <laughs> clap to the fans. Then just, then just danced their way off the pitch again. They just danced their way. Off. There was like there was kids in the ground. There weren't many people in the ground, but there was kids there who know yep. no better than, than wanting to show their appreciation to their heroes. And they just walked off the field, laughing and joking with each other like we're a little gang of players, and we're not bothered about you. And off they went. It was embarrassing. It was poor. And it, and it wasn't just you and me, was it, Fergus? There were still quite a few people around us. And to a man and a woman, every single one of them was stood there thinking, well, what's all that about? What's happened there? They've not even acknowledged us, really. They give us a little clap, but they've not acknowledged us. They've not left the centre circle and said, thank you for Do coming you and paying your good money to watch our crap. You know, it was, it was awful. It was the worst part of the day. And I was already on a downer anyway because, you know, we've all got our opinions on Europe. Right, but you you boys know I, I don't miss a game in Europe nowadays. I spent too many years not being able to go and for the last few years. I've not missed a game in Europe. And the fact that I can't go next year, I was on a real downer. I was proper gutted. Even yeah. if it was a conference league and I was going to Kazakhstan, I didn't care less. <laughs> I didn't care less. I've got an hotel booked in Tirana. I've got an hotel booked in Tirana for the final. And I'll tell you what, if that mob down the road don't get there, I'm still going to go because I'm going to have to go abroad and watch some football. Uh, you know, and so just before I shut up, Fergus, it's it sort of, it's it's weird because, yeah, we've improved the second half of the season. We've really, really improved in my view. But it's still been a poor season because we're not where we should be. We're not where we should be. I'm going to have to watch other teams go and play in Europe next year while I'm sat at home with a wife nagging me two or three days a week. I've got loads of money hidden in a bank account where I've not been able to travel for, for the last couple of excuse, years. I'm trying to hide it, it from excuse the Excuse me, Trev. Excuse me. If she finds we, out we FaceTime. Bank, I'm in serious trouble. We, we, fa we FaceTimed your wife at half time. We FaceTimed your wife at half time and uh, we had a, a quick chat with her. And when I wait hung a minute, up, Wait went, a minute. Wait a minute. Cool. Who FaceTimed my wife at half time? Who FaceTimed my I wife did. half time? Fergie? I did. You did. Thank you. I did. We didn't. Yeah. You yeah. did. 
<laughs> yeah, but you were you were sitting right beside me. But when we hung up, the point my point being when you when when we hung up, we went, "Gosh, isn't half good looking?" And I went, "Yeah, you're punching Trev." And he went, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> <laughs> I just want to ask a I'm quick honest. question, right? Has everyone got their renewals today? Yeah, yeah. Right. Have, so yeah. why is yeah. it if they've frozen the prices, we've got less games, we're not in Europe, my season ticket is exactly the same as two years ago? I'm confused. Yeah, my, I thought my av- my average t- uh, ticket <clears throat> price has now gone from thirty seven pounds to thirty eight pounds. Yet again, it was meant to be frozen. I don't know, Amanda. But uh, well, we haven't uh, got uh, Europe, it, so I don't understand what we're paying for. We we we're, we're we've only got less, two cup games. You look we? Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, I really don't know. I, I, yeah. so they, anyway, sorry, go on. That's just a quick no, 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 go, 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 Amanda. Finish that one. No, off no, it was then. only about that. I'm just really confused. And they said they froze prices, and yet they haven't then. It's gone up. No, they haven't. <laughs> yes, it's been yes, cheek yeah. of them, honestly. Yeah, the price of it has gone up, yeah. I mean, mine's gone up by. Pull your mic over. I know, I know, I know. It's only six quid the average price, and it's still less than forty quid. But when you look like Amanda says, how's the the ticket price has gone up when it was supposed to have either froze or we were supposed to get because we've got because we've got an owner that everyone loves. <laughs> we haven't got an owner that anyone loves, Daniel, and you know that. Yeah, that was such a little fantastic. tinker. I God, took that picture fantastic. actually. I stood outside that. That's brilliant by the AST, by the way. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Listen, we're going to look at the season because uh, Trevor was mentioning about the season and everything else, and 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 the idea this is the season finale. I'm going to go around you all one at a time, ladies first, since you are here first, and uh, I will ask you. Off first you go, then, son. I was going to say, Dan. <laughs> it. it uh, it's not on breast size, Trev. It's not on breast size. It's okay. <laughs> I'd be screwed. <laughs> um, <laughs> player of the season, please, Amanda. I'm going to lose it in a second. <laughs> oh, wow. Really? Player of the season? Well, uh, there's Saka for me. Has to be Saka. But the second half of the season, I'd probably go with Pepe. So... But Saka, yeah. I mean, honestly, he's carried us so many games and he's a phenomenal talent. And I I mean, if you wanted my top three, it would be Saka, Pepe and um, Smith-Rowe, then Lacazette. No, I only asked for one, but I I (laughs) always get more from you, don't I? (laughs) Who invited her on here? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Tony, I never we'll go to you by next. The rules. You should know that. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, we'll go to you next. It's Pull your microphone up. up. That is the rules. It's there. It's there. Yeah, but uh, yes, we can't that, that, that way, Darth lad. Saka, mate. Um, yeah, I, I think he's been the best of ever. You know, pretty bad bunch. Uh, he's been more consistent than everyone else. Um, I would also say there's a special shout out to, to Lacazette because I think for a period when when Aubameyang wasn't there. And we picked up form, you know, with the Smith Rosa Sackers. He he was, you know, vital to that. I think he was he pivotal. Yeah, yeah, I think in you know when you look at the games he's played without Abamyang and just in and around those kids, I think they've all sort of raised their games. They just link up well together. Um, yeah, I would give special mentions to Lacazette and Pepe, but Saka would be it for me. But Tony, did you hear well, what the it, kids said about Lacazette? They all said that that it's down to him. 
and his guidance and he you know he was like the captain wasn't he he was like their dad so yeah i agree with that about lacazette he's got great he's got great leadership skills definitely and i you could see that the kids looked up to him unlike and someone else Lacaz uh, yeah, well, Lacazette, Aubameyang and Pepe uh, both got 10 plus goals. First time since we had, uh, it was at Sanchez, Giroud and Walcott. Aubameyang Coming got to 10 you, goals, did he? 10 plus goals, yeah. Yeah, God, I'm surprised. I, 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 uh, yeah, I, I think he finished up on 15 goals. Um, Dan, your player of the season and why? I'm not going to pick Saka because he's going to come... He's going to come later for me in another he's question. Him. So I'm going. He's always got to be tricky and difficult. So I'm, a... I'm going to be different. I'm going to go Pepe because I think this end to the season has been class. He's been our best player, and the start of the season when he did play, he was scoring because he was playing in the Europa League and scoring. Sack has been poor for me for the last couple of months, so I'm going to go for Pepe. Well, that's why I said Saka the first half and Pepe the second. I agree on Pepe. You did. You did. Look at that. We're All agreeing, Amanda. Trip. Look, things are changing. I know. God, I know. Things are changing, yeah, then, lots, yeah. Lots of, lots lots of things. things are changing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Scandal. Scandal. In those, if you said, you know, there's a player of the season for the first half and second half, can you say that? You are for the player of the season. It's no different to talking about the no. league form and the league table half and half. You know, we've got to be consistent. Hey, listen, that's why I've been you consistent with one name. Hey, <laughs> and, 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 uh, uh, but T, uh, you know, you had your opportunity. You picked your player. <laughs> that's it. No, I'm sticking with Saka, mate. I'm sticking with Saka. I'm yeah. just saying, when That's people fine. are saying half and half, half, the first half of the season, second half of the season, that ain't no difference to the league, you know, form, position, etc. Cetera, et cetera. It's over a course of a season. I, I, I get your point. I personally don't do half and a half scarves either. So, like, there we go. <laughs> <No>. uh, Trev. <laughs> oh, like it, like it, like it. Trev, uh, your player of the season and why? Well, I'm just going for the one, Fergus. I'm not... It's none of this first half, second half of the season crap. You pick a player of the season, that's the idea of it. This, this you got to knock this lot's heads together, Fergus, a bit. I, I, I'm going for the, I'm going for the predictable one. I'm going for Bukayo Saka because because not only yeah, I know he went off at the end of the season, but you've got to take other things things into account. You've got to take into account his age. He's only a young lad still. You've got to take into account the fact that he's been asked to play in almost every position on the field apart from goalkeeper this season. And he's never moaned, he's never whinged. When he's come on the telly for an interview, he's been fantastic. So not just his play, his all-round game, the way he conducts himself, the way he's done everything, and the way he's broken into the England side, which I'm over the moon about, is it's only could be Bukayo Saka for me overall. Um, I my player of the season will be Saka for the simple reason that I think he has been the most played and most consistent player throughout and he's always been dependable i think he's been overplayed um and by the end of it he was blowing out of his arse um and you know i i, I just hope uh I, I was disappointed to see that he was selected for england in a strange way um 
Uh, I know like, I support Ireland, obviously, but I will support England throughout the uh, the tournament. But I was hoping that no Arsenal players get picked because I don't want to see any of them uh, being overplayed and mm. injured. So I, I'm I'm club before before country. Yep. Um, just a thanks to Kathy W, who has just subscribed to us on YouTube. If anybody else wants to subscribe to on, us on YouTube, click on the uh, subscribe and the bell and you'll know when we're uh, talking again um next question on there uh, i'll go the other way around this time i'll go trev first most improved player well like i said you shouldn't pick two for anything but i've got i've got two <laughs> i've got i've, I've got tony we try smith smith row for me is the most improved player in the squad to watch a young man that I knew was good anyway because I've watched him previously, to watch him improve this season. And his standout game for me, when it, when we beat Tottenham 2-1, you know, he just sort of took over that game and he, he played number 10 left, number 10 right, whatever you want, and he was superb in that game. So it's because Osaka for me, uh, not Smith-Rowe for me, excuse me, excuse me. Smith-Rowe for me is the... Is the the most improved player, and closely followed, closely followed by Mr. Willock at Newcastle, because I think what he, he must have felt rejected when he was sent out by the by the Arsenal on loan, and he's gone to Newcastle and shown that he's a player. So Smith Rowe for me, but a little mention for Willock because I'm proud of what he's done. Take that off, Fergus. <laughs> Arnie, I love it. <laughs> Actually, uh, according to uh, the Guna podcast, when I was sitting at uh, Highbury Corner at the end of um, at the end of the evening on uh, Sunday, um, I'm a better player than Kevin Campbell. So hey, you know, <laughs> Kevin seems to frighten the girls off. Uh, check out the Guna the Guna podcast and their Twitter feed. There's a little clip of me sitting there. Not badly inebriated with a kebab in hand, and uh, yeah, I've been accosted by the young ladies. But you know, listen, <laughs> it must be the accent, the Irish lilt. Um, uh, shout out to Matassa, who's just subscribed to us as well on YouTube. Thank you very much. Uh, Tre um, Dan, most improved player of the season. Uh, this one's easy for me, it's everyone's player of the season. Saka wasn't getting in the side last season, uh, didn't get in the FA Cup final team. Uh, mate, the Nuttles got ahead of him. Uh, and now he's coming to this side and he's played in pretty much every single position known to man. So for me, it has to be him. You know, um, Emery gave him his chance and I thought he was always going to be a good player. Uh, Freddie Lundberg's worked hard with him and you can see that he's actually learned a lot um, going into this season and he deserves all the, all the plaudits he's getting. So for me, he's the most improved by far, in my opinion. I don't think it's close. Saka. Thank you. Big T. Yeah, mate, I, I agree with Dan. I think Saka's the most improved as well. I've given him player of the season. I also think just, for, you know, he's come on leaps and bounds. Um, I would give special shout-outs to, to Smith, Rowe and Pepe. I think if both of those would have done it over longer periods, then they would, they would definitely be um, in with a shout. I just think over the course of a season, Saka's been there. He's been the main man. Um, and there's quite a few games that he, he's got us through. Um, but yeah, Saka for me, with, with special mentions to Smith, Rowe and Pepe. PG? Um, I'm going Pepe because I think he is the most improved player from beginning to end, if I'm honest. I always championed him. I always said we've got to give him time. Everyone's so impatient. Um, he had to settle. You know, um, you know, Kevin and I were talking about this. Um, it's been a weird season as well. He's, he's done extra work with and without Mikel Arteta. 
um, on the training pitch. For me, um, I'm so proud of him. Saka, of course, I mean, he's player of the season for us and, you know, brilliant. But I want to give a mention out to Pepe because I think I think we're only going to see him improve even more come August. I hope so. Uh, my most improved player of the season, he'd only had five months in the uh, first team, uh, Emile Smith's role. Yeah. Uh, you know, in five months, the guys excelled. He's cemented a place in the top, uh, in in the the starting eleven. Um, if you were to look at um, at the team sheet, you would want to see him on it every time. Uh, he commands that position that um, Ozil couldn't for the last two years. Um, and also, just to listen to his media training, uh, his interviews. Saka gets the same sort of plaudit as well, but his interviews shows he's he's a he's a Croydon gooner, you know, and and he is he he knows what it is. He knows what it is to to wear that shirt. He knows exactly the phrase that Rocky Rowcastle uh, and Tony Adams and many others have used over the years about play for the badge on the front of the shirt and they'll remember the name on the back of the shirt. And for that reason, I'm putting um, Smith Row down. I would. You're not going to believe this, Dan. Are you sitting down? I would oh. give a special mention to two players. Granite Shaka and <laughs> Nicholas Pepe. Because Granite Shaka, in fairness, he has improved this season oh, under um, Arteta. He is the first name on the team sheet. I want him gone. I want him out of the club so quick you would not believe. I do not want him signing that two-year extension that it, that that's on the table to him. But he has improved in, and he is listening and learning by his mistakes. And Pepe, for all the reasons you all said before. Right, going Ferg, uh, around. Ferg, 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 Ferg <laughs> listen, wait a minute, because there's something really interesting cropped up there, Ferg. Really interesting cropped up there. Right, and I want to I want to ask these Dan. Princess and Big T, because it's 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 just got me thinking. Then, when we've asked about the most improved player in the cup, club, then it wasn't just one or two names. It was three, four, five names came up as the most improved player in the club, and we ain't been able to say that for a few years that we could debate who our best player, most improved player in the club was. So, is that a sign that actually, actually, things are looking up a little bit, and and you know we've got stuff to look forward to. Trev, you could look at mm. both ways, and that's, that's another topic altogether. So we'll just forget what you said and move on. It could be, it, it could be, it, 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 if you want to look at then. negatively, if, 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 if you want to look at negatively, you could just show the quality is uh, is diminishing. So, yeah. Listen, before we move on Lord to new, um, the goal of the season, Ben Bennett, uh, we bumped into him on Big Sunday and was brilliant to see him. He saw us at the Woodbine. He didn't have a ticket and he went around and saw Potsy. So, uh, Ben, brilliant to see you. It was really nice and uh, looking forward to seeing you uh, home and away um, uh, next season. Right. Uh, I'll start with you this time, Dan. Goal of the season. This one for me was pretty easy, actually. Um, oh, my Lord. I look at the team. You're all right, Trev. United oh, are 1-0 down. Lord. Yeah. Man, you know, is it really? Sorry, so I won't cut it again. We'll lead that. 
we won't we won't Christian's jinx that. Gone so uh <laughs> what was what were we saying? Uh goal of the season. Goal of I the season. The best, the best goal of the season for me was Kieran Tierney against West Brom. Because what I do is I always picture the scene and him sitting there in the snow going absolutely nuts because he actually gives a damn with a badge on his shirt for me was goal of the season. I think the individual quality of it was sensational. It's a player that I think deserves a mention that we haven't mentioned so far. The other goal that I did think about was the goal in that game, which was the Saka goal, because I think that was probably the best move of the season. Lacazette, Smith-Rowe and Saka. But for me, Kieran Tierney, because I absolutely love the guy and that individual bit of quality was was class for me. Um, so I am going to go for KT against West Brom. Amanda, your goal of the season? And I, I'm sorry I didn't prep you for any of this. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> no, it was really weird because I'm sitting here thinking uh, Kieran Tierney against West Brom and Dan said it. Um, everything about Kieran Tierney, everything, from start to finish, the only thing I hate is he's so injury prone and it does my head in because every time he plays, I fear that we're not going to see him again for a while. And I pray that, you know, he he comes through pre-season. Sorry, I know it's not going, uh, uh, goal of the season, but I just want to say about Tierney that the, the man plays with such passion. He don't care about any media stuff. He's not in the press. He don't care. He just wants to play football. He couldn't care less if it's snowing. He still have his shorts on and his socks down and he's off. And that's what we want in our team. So, yeah, I agree with Dan about that one. Blimey, what is happening here? Me and PG agreeing. What is going on? It won't last, Daniel. It won't last. The sky is a very funny colour outside when I'm looking out here. Honestly, it is, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's really weird. Uh, Trev, uh, your goal of the season. Uh, I I had a a little look through earlier because my memory is not so good. And and I knew it was there somewhere and I found it. Lacazette's team goal against Sheffield United was the one for me where five or six passes and we... We just put him through here and all he had to do was stroke it into the net. Reminded me of goals of the prime Wenger area era. The prime Wenger era, era when, uh, <laughs> when uh, what's his name, Wiltshire, scored that goal against Norwich at the Emirates. That Lacazette goal against Sheffield United reminded me of that. And I took great pleasure in watching it. So Lacazette for me against Sheffield United. Tony, give me a little bit more thinking time because <laughs> I didn't do any research myself. <laughs> um, he's frozen. What's your goal, Tony? Oh, he's gone. He's gone. Oh. Uh, the ge- good. The goal go I was thinking good. of. The, <laughs> the goal I was thinking of actually. Uh, all the ones you said are are, are are very very valid, but one of the ones I thought about, and I'm honestly, there's definitely something in the air. But Shaq a screamer from was that, that was who was that? Chelsea. Yeah. Free kick, Chelsea free kick. Yeah, uh, I, I thought, oh, indeed, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I, that that just springs Fergus, to mind. What if is I, happening I, to you? What is happening here? What is know. happening tonight? Is you drinking that scotch? What's happening there? <laughs> oh, no, 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 I'm on the Spanish stuff, so yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, there we go. Then <laughs> uh, you should be going for Danny Ceballos, then, shouldn't you? <laughs> uh, no, he can go. He can leave. Uh, yeah, Tony, yeah. is there something wrong with his stream? He'll be back in with us afterwards. Right. Um, let's work this. Uh, who wants to go first? Trev, do you want to go first? Uh, your um, biggest disappointment? Uh, no, actually, let's do it this way around. Actually, no, we will do that. Biggest disappointment uh, this season. What was your biggest disappointment? Uh, uh, no, hang on. Tony. He's back. Goal of the season. It's between Shaka's free kick, Tierney's effort, uh, and the team goals, Saka at West Brom, 
Lacazette at Sheffield United and Pepe last week at Palace. Uh, I've got fight, fight, blah, 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 blah. I actually really like Lacazette at Sheffield United, if I'm honest. I, I love that intricacy and, and team goals. So, oh, my uh, Lord. Oh, my Lord. The big fellas agreeing with the old man. <laughs> <laughs> I this told you, mate, the, the, the world's coming to an end tonight. It's a bit weird, <laughs> isn't it? This is odd tonight. This is Me odd. and Dan. What is going on here? There's a lot of there's a lot of helicopters leaving Stansted. They're all military. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Tony, uh, I'll start with you then. Uh, pull your microphone to your face. Your biggest disappointment of this season. It, I, I don't know how. Uh, if, if I'm honest, mate, there, there's a couple of disappointments. I think the the one of ten games which which returned just five points and effectively ended our league season. Um, obviously, the FA kept exit. The manner in which we we lost to Southampton was a disappointment. The Villarreal defeat, ultimately getting knocked out of Europa League. And then if you look at the overall picture, the, the league position finishing eighth. Um, I, I think the run of 10 games, which which returned just five points, hurt me more than anything. Losing the odd game here and there is fine. But the run of Arsenal Football Club, you should never have 30 points on the table and return just five. And that did effectively end our, our league season and any chance of Champions League football. Potsy? Uh, great point, to be honest, by the time. But I am going to go Jesus, with the Europa League. I know, oh, it's unreal, isn't it? What is happening tonight? Uh, <laughs> it's got to be the getting dumped out of the Europa League, I think, because I feel that the draw was kind to us. Although every game is very difficult, I feel we had the best chance to get into the final. And I think everybody deep down felt that we might be able to sneak it. Um, and to go out particularly the way that we did by throwing it away in the first leg and by not turning up in the second. I think that's got to be the biggest disappointment. So, yeah, James Power, good man. I hope you're well. I totally agree with everything you've just said in the comments. James has just said biggest disappointment was Arteta's performance in both legs of the Europa uh, Europa League semi-final by a mile. PG, uh, what was your biggest disappointment uh, of the season? Uh, I know there's going to be a lot of crossover. Yeah, there's there's quite a few to be honest. Um, but and this is not because they've just said this, but I was so I, I'm very, very pro Arteta. I really am. But I was so disappointed when I saw the team sheet against Villarreal. I just didn't understand what he was doing, why you'd experiment in a, the, the biggest match of our season. Why would you do that? And I looked at my other half and I went, we haven't got a striker. What I was like this. I, I was, and it's hard for me because I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm quite positive, um, but I, I, I literally criticised him um, from minute one. I didn't understand. I think he's held his hands up to this, but it, it was a massive disappointment. And the fact that we that got that last goal, we got an away goal. So as Gooners, we go, oh, it's on. There's a chance. And then we go to the Emirates and we don't turn up. That That is actually more of a disappointment than looking at the team sheet on the first game. That what I, what I don't understand is, and I've always had this argument, if you have to have a manager that raises your game, you're in the wrong sport. I'm sorry. You should know. It's like when you play, when you play Tottenham. Do you have to tell a player to raise their game because it's Tottenham? I'm sorry. I just, I, if you are not walking out on that pitch at the Emirates against Villarreal, wanting to tear down that team and get us through to the final, 
yet so many blamed Arteta, which, yes, I was one of them. But what are these players doing? You cross that white line. Where's that passion? They didn't have any. And again, so the whole factor of the team and Arteta was my biggest disappointment. Trevor, uh, biggest disappointment of the season. It's really strange what this lot, lot of uh, have said, Fergus. In that, I've written all the, I've written them all down here, and, and I'm very much aligned with with what the guys have all said. It that run of games where we didn't get many points, and what Tony said was it five points from ten games. Losing to Aston Villa at home three nil, losing at home to Burnley one nil was was horrendous. Was horrendously poor. And then, of course, not facing up to Villarreal as the princess nailed it. Not facing up to Villarreal in the second leg of a of, of a European semi-final. Shouldn't need, shouldn't need no. the manager to tell them how to play the game. They're players, they play football. The only thing I can put on it, and, and something I'll chuck in there, is that against Villarreal in that second leg of that semi-final, I honestly think if we'd have had a real leader on the pitch, who's going to give them a right good boot up the backside on the pitch, i.e. an Adams or a Vieira or a McClintock, then would they have still been allowed to play that poorly? I don't know. But they shouldn't have needed any pick-me-up at all. Any pick-me-up at all. The only other disappointing thing, Fergus, and this is directly at Arteta, and as the Princess knows, I'm very much in her camp on this. I'm very pro-Arteta. But Arteta disrespected the FA Cup, and he disrespected our Cup. We, we win it every other year and he disrespected it and ultimately cost us a place in the next round, I believe. So their mind, Fergus, very much aligned with what the others say, actually, mate. Uh, for myself, uh, Tommy in the chat has got a good uh, point. William was a big <laughs> disappointment. Um, it, it, it could have been a masterstroke, uh, you know, because the guy is a talent, but he just wasn't talented for us except for against Fulham. Uh, the other one that was semi-touched on was Aubameyang. You don't turn up late for the North London derby, especially if you're captain. If you're going to do that, just chuck your shirt in, chuck your keys, take your, take your Lamborghini and off you know sorry I, that is just the lowest of the low uh, on that game of all games but the game that disappointed me the most and, and the, the biggest disappointment was the performance that we put in against West Brom after the semi-final because we only needed one goal against Villarreal to get through to the final yet again we just didn't have a strike on the pitch we didn't uh, we just didn't turn up and didn't perform at, at home and then a few days later, we play West Brom and we smash them off the park. I think, was it, Dan, am I right? Was it 3-0, 3-1? Yeah, three, but one. Fergus, it's so Arsenal that we're, when we're not under pressure, that's yeah, what yeah, we but, do. But I'm talking about disappointment. I was so deflated after that game that if we had just put the effort in three, four days later, uh, three days earlier... We'd be we'd be on the telly now. We wouldn't be on the podcast right now. We'd be we we'd be watching the Europa League final. So, uh, uh, mm. listen, I don't want to get negged out, but it did neg me out big time. And I spoke with Dan about it afterwards. Um, Dan, talk to you now. Uh, best game of the season. What game did you enjoy the most? Always enjoy beating Spurs, mate. So it has to be that one. <laughs> um, I don't think there was. I mean, again, that was the quickest. Uh, response 
I mean, it was so disappointing when it going there and party had his disaster where he walked off the pitch and we got beaten and it was just down in the dumps. And I was really, really lost my head at that tight of the season. And I, I just completely threw my toys out the pram, came off all groups, came off all podcasts for a week and said, I'm done because I can't lose to these this team. I don't accept losing to Spurs. So when we beat him, it's a great day um, and everyone enjoys it. So I don't think we've had many highs this season. It's, it's a difficult question, Ferg, because it has been a real poor one. But to say what game did you enjoy the most, for me, it has to be Tottenham at home beating them. But I, I, I do think, and this is by no way means a dig, but I think it depends on your view of where Arsenal are right now, uh, management and everything else. And your view is 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 different than others. So I think that might skew where you say you haven't enjoyed most of the season. Uh, I haven't mm. enjoyed most of the season because I haven't been there. Um, but that's that's a little bit different. Uh, Trev, what was your best game of the season? You've got to say Brighton last game of the season because you were with me. No, but you, you made it unenjoyable. To <laughs> that was, the worst. With that was the worst for him, yeah. It was, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's in the next, next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with Dan all the way. I'm with Dan all the way. In a, in a season where... We, we, if we sort of want to think of things straight away, we remember the lows rather than the highs because that's the kind of season it's been. Beating Tottenham at, at the Emirates was a high spot. We all love to beat them. I've already said earlier in the podcast that I thought Smith Rowe came of age that day and started bossing the game. Um, and, and we beat Tottenham and that, that's my high spot of the season, Fergus. Uh, Tone? Yeah, mate, obviously always beating Tottenham's nice. Uh, I think what made that victory even sweeter was their first goal and how good their first goal was to then turn it around, beat them. Even with a contentious penalty, just rubbed salt into the wounds, made it greater. Obviously, beating United away is always nice. Um, so, yeah, in terms of victories, they're the, they're the probably sweetest victories. In terms of best games, I think Chelsea at home was great um, performance-wise. West Brom away performance-wise was good. And I thought Leicester away performance-wise was good. So there's been a few performances, but in terms of real sweet wins, obviously Tottenham's always at the top of the list. I think going to Old Trafford and winning as well was great because um, I thought, you know, that day was a real resolute, dogged performance and I thought there was a sign of things to come. So PG? It depends which way you look at it. Um, victories are nice, but performances? Yeah, no, mine was Old Trafford and I was gonna, I was hoping that no one was going to mention it and someone did. Um, I loved beating... I loved beating United. Listen, Spurs, of oh, course, it goes United without fans. saying. Um, I mean, my top three would be Spurs, Chelsea, but United at Old, at Old Trafford um, because we were dog shit <laughs> the week before and the week after. And we just, no one gave us a chance. And I think I actually predicted 1-0, weirdly. Um, <clears throat> and then I did a podcast straight after and the United fan was on and I just couldn't stop. It was just brilliant. So for me, that that's the highlight of the season. Of course, beating Spurs goes without saying, but United for me. For me, um, you have the double over Chelsea. Uh, we haven't mm. done that in a number of years. That was fantastic. Uh, Spurs away, um, even drawn to Spurs in the return leg at ours. Uh, just not dropping... Like not losing to Spurs is always is always good, but uh, the Man United away uh, only because my my brothers are Man United fans and I just love the bragging rights. And my nephew is a in America is a, a Man United fan and he's a little oh he's got an opinion and I'd just like to tell him. <laughs> right, next one. Uh, so uh, I 
don't know it's his dad i think um yeah. right okay quick quickly let's go around this this one because this is going to take forever otherwise uh, worst game uh tell me your worst game pg and one sentence Mm, I'm not prepped for any of these. I thought it was coming on to talk about something else. If I would have, I'd have thought about it. Um, my most you want upsetting. Me to move and come back to you. No, no. My most upsetting. I'll just say was Villarreal at the Emirates. Okay, okay. Tony. Uh, it's got to be Villa at home, Liverpool at home, or or either one of the Villarreal games. Potsy. Uh, Villarreal in the first leg was disappointing because it just epitomised what the players and manager can't do together. So, yeah, that was for me. Trev? Villarreal, both games. Burnley at home and Brighton at home. <laughs> One game. <laughs> um, He's such a for rebel, me, obviously, <laughs> uh, obviously um, the, 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 the game that... Um, everyone's going to go Villarreal, but outside of that, losing to Leicester when we dominated so heavily in that game and losing to Burnley at home as well. It just, yeah. But I, I would have thought, aside from the Villarreal, just to try and be different, I would say uh, the Leicester game. All right, uh, coming back to you first, Trev. Uh, best signing of the season? There ain't one. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, because he actually gave me confidence that we've got a backup keeper if Leno ain't about. Apart from that, I'm unenthusiastic Fair about it. Fair point. Uh, Potty? Uh, it would have been Erdegaard, but after West Ham, he went missing. I ain't seen him since, so it's been Gabriel for me. Um, I think the guy's been really commanding. And because of the COVID stuff, when he when he got COVID, he, he went missing for a few weeks and everyone said, what a crap signing he's been. Uh, but I don't think he has been. I think he's been our best centre-off and I'd love to see him next to Pablo Marie because I think that's actually probably the two best centre-offs we've got. So for me, it's Gabriel. T? I think me, mate, if I'm honest. The, the day you asked me to come on your podcast is probably the best <laughs> signing of the season. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, but if you're talking and, about Arsenal, uh, Gabriel, mate. Okay, and obviously PG, we got you in because we're going to like push Big T out. Uh, you know, <laughs> you got a bit more time in your diary, uh, and you know what was uh, you're obviously our best signing this season. Um, but uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but I'm not signed for anyone. What was yours? <laughs> I'm on loan. <laughs> Actually, I'm not on loan. Uh, well, um, no, we don't. We done a loan deal at the beginning of the season. You do remember it? Yes. I got 10p, didn't you, or something? Um, yes, 10p. I would say Matty Ryan because he's a gooner and he loved it and he worked his socks off for us every time he was in goal. Yeah, I, to be well honest, said, I agree. Well I, said, I, I couldn't think of anybody either. Um, right, okay. Um, a slight bit more of a debate. Uh, I think we've touched on Aubameyang's decline. I don't think we need to go into that. But... What do we need to do? Like we finished eighth in the league. We finished only six points behind top four, Chelsea. We finished one point behind Spurs, who are in Europe. Um, we're not a million miles off. There has been some uh, grassroots and shoots of improvement in uh, since Christmas. I know not everybody, we're not all in agreement. Um, but what, what do we need to do to improve and become top four contenders what do we need to do uh if we are to stick with our teta 
uh, are not, whichever your view may be, um, what do we need to do for, what does Arteta need to do to, to bring you back on side? And I'll go to the man who is obviously clearly on the fence, Dan. Um, <laughs> answer. Uh what we want to do, what do we need to do? Sorry, was the question. Um, okay, if you want me to be realistic, then I will be. I'll be unrealistic for a second. What we need to do is start again, and I'm talking owners, board, manager, um, completely, um, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, that is what I would want to do. That's not going to happen, so we need to be realistic. If Kroenke stays and this board stay, then we need to go and get Antonio Conte, who's free now because he is the only hope we've got of challenging with top four next season. Because Liverpool will be back, Chelsea will spend and they'll be in the top four, Manchester United will spend and they'll be in the top four, and Manchester City will spend and they're clearly going to win the league, especially if they get Harry Kane, which looks like they will. And everyone else might as well be written off for the next four years because he's going to win uh, Man City the title. So I would say we need new owners, of course. We need a fresh Arsenal board and we need a new manager. But if that's not going to happen, we need a manager that has experience because what everyone keeps telling me is that these players aren't good enough. So we need an experienced head um, to get players that aren't good enough better than what they are. Because what happens when you have players that apparently aren't good enough and a manager that clearly isn't good enough is it creates a perfect storm and you end up eight for two years running. So that's what's happened to us. So Antonio Conte would 100% improve this side. He is absolute class and he's got uh, experience and evidence to suggest that he can take a uh, Chelsea side who finishes eighth and win him the title. So let's hope he can do that to Arsenal next season. So that's what I would do. Antonio Conte and Diego Simeone are my two number one choices to replace Mikel Arteta. But if I'm being honest about the situation, I think we're stuck with this dude. I think we're stuck with Edu. I think we're stuck with Vinay. And I think we're stuck with the Cronkies. And... I'm not looking forward to the season because I think it's going to be a real poor season again. Unless we change the manager and we start to look, uh, have a good, you know, summer in terms of signings, then I might be a bit up for it because I honestly believe if we signed Haaland and Bappe and Harry Kane, that Mikel Arteta would, would not get us into the top four because I don't, I don't see a manager good enough. So, Tony, um, listening on from what Dan has said, um, what do you think we need to do and you know what's your thoughts listen if if the option of Antonio Conte come to Arsenal now I'll take it all day long I'm a huge fan of him big big fan of him but it's not going to happen but but Tony before you go on from there if you got Conte or a another they'd want millions and millions Will they get the millions and millions? Answer the question first, and then you can stick this into it. Yeah. Um, and and you know, will they back Arteta enough along the way as well? But yeah, go on. Conte's not coming to Arsenal. He, he's he's going to leave into Milan because of financial difficulties. He will go somewhere where he can spend a bit of money. Listen, I'm a huge fan of him. I think he's a great manager. And if he if we had the option, I'd sign him. I'd bring him in, no problem. Fact is, Arteta is going to be here for the summer and bringing his own players. Now, one thing you've got to give Arteta credit for in Edu is that the recent signings have been a vast improvement on on past signings. You know, when you look over the last decade, signings have got better. Now, I don't think Arteta or any manager was good enough to get this squad into the top four this season. That said, I think the squad's a lot better than eighth. You know, if we finish fifth or sixth, then it's a realistic season. 
I don't think Arteta is going to be as bad as what he is next season. I can't see it. Um, I think he's made too many mistakes. If he can't learn from these mistakes, then he's not going to, you know, he's not going to go on to do great things. Um, I honestly believe it's all about recruitment. I believe there's there's signs of improvement that show we are heading in the right direction. It may not be to everyone's liking, but the fact is under Arteta, we have defensively got better, conceded a lot less goals. Uh, and like I say, in these unusual circumstances, he will have learned a lot. Um, and with a, a group of players that we've got in terms of the likes of Gabriel, Tierney, Party, Pepe, Saka, Smithrow, we do have a platform and a foundation to build on. And it's now about identifying the right players and putting the right uh, the final pieces. Is he back? For us to go forward. You're on mute, Fergus. Mute. Uh, Trev, you piped <laughs> up. Uh, you, what, what do we need to do? Come on. Give your learned opinion. Uh, I, I don't take such a drastic approach. I want to see... I've, I, I look at our defence and I think our defence is improving and we've got one of the best records in the league. So I'm leaving that alone and hoping that it develops. I'm sure it could develop into an even better defence. So I'm looking at where else we're not doing well and we're not scoring goals. So I want a playmaking midfielder that's going to score us at least a dozen goals a season. And then I want a centre-forward that's going to be like the old bang, Bamiyang of two or three seasons ago and bang a load of goals in. I, and that, that, that'll do for me. I want a change of owner. And, and like Tony said earlier, we have to be have to be careful how we approach it because the owner hasn't put any money into the club, right? His own money. Fair enough. I accept that. And then we look at it and we think, but what we have had, we've totally wasted. Totally wasted many, many, many millions of pounds of our money on crap, right? So then you think, why haven't we? Why have we wasted that money? And you've got to think. Then it comes back to Stan because if I own that club and I saw that amount of money being spent on that little on on that on that type of player that wasn't performing, then I'd be looking at making changes. So, like Dan said, actually, I'm in the court where we might need to make changes, and not just in a managerial spot, not just in a managerial spot. We're looking at Edu, and we're looking at this that sits in that director's box every week. He's king of the castle, right? And we need to change all of them. Where I'm differing to Danny's, I'm thinking and I'm hoping it don't have to happen because I can see signs of improvement. I can be positive, and and if we continue as we are, we won't be bad next season. Two signings I want, and and an owner that cares about the Arsenal. PG, final word on, on, on this topic, and then we're going to get on to the reason why we brought you on here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, next season, I want Arteta backed. Um, I want him backed in the transfer window because we need backup, a left back, a right back, um, partner for party, and an absolute creative number 10. If we get that, then with the other squad with the other improvements that's gone on since Christmas. I know it will probably really upset Dan if we do really well with Arteta in the next season. But um, <laughs> I'm winding you up. Because I know you'll eat humble pie, Dan, Arsh, Arsh, and sit there and say you were wrong. Um, I want to. I want to be proved wrong. I know wrong. you I do. Really do. I know. I Listen, really we all do. You know, we all just want what's best for Arsenal. But that's what I think. That's what we need. Unfortunately, we're never going to get rid of the owners. And I really honestly believe that. And we are stuck with them. It is like a living nightmare. 
Um, he's not put any money in. He, he, he secures loans against us. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, you can protest as much as you want. I, I saw the protest on Sunday. It's just such a shame because we just want our Arsenal back. Well said. And just to put that up there, Cronky out, fans in. Uh, if anybody uh, wants to support the Arsenal Supporters Trust, you can join them. Just go to their website. You can see it on there, arsenalsupporterstrust.org. Uh, it costs you about 20 quid uh, a year to join, and you can uh, be involved and listen and uh, participate in some of their meetings and stuff like that uh, that they do currently on Zoom, but then physically later on. And obviously, uh, we are also supporting the Guna Fanzine. If you haven't subscribed to the Guna Fanzine, please make sure you do subscribe to Guna Fanzine. Um, one of the, the the reasons that we brought um, the Mighty PG on was mm, uh, on so. this day in uh, in 1989... It was a Friday night, and the league finished on the final kick of uh, of the game with a goal by Michael Thomas, meaning that the pre- uh, the, the the division one, one, as it was then, league title came to North London. Princess Gooner, um, as I said before, formerly of um, the Highbury squad, you might want to expand on that a little bit, but also I'd like you to talk about. Um, uh, 1989. Let's talk about 1989. And I just want to show you something that I've got on and that I'm wearing. Look at hello. that fantastic hello. T-shirt. Hello. Look at that. Hello. hello. <laughs> <laughs> I've so, seen nothing. Um, <laughs> 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 Why am I the only one on this? Can I look again yet? Can you, <laughs> can you show that again? Can you show that again? It's my night on Sunday. <laughs> it said. It said Listen, it said PG down the bottom, so it's got to be legal. <laughs> it's legal. So this T-shirt was made by No Laguna for Festies. Um, festies.com, I think it is. And it is amazing. Honestly, it's fantastic. And I haven't worn it until today. Um, yeah, listen, 32 years ago today, we were, I was, behind the goal to the left, or the right, left. Um, now... 32 years ago now and you know it's it, it it's just the best footballing night of my life it wouldn't I can't ever see it being beaten unless we beat Tottenham in the Champions League final in the last moments would that ever be beaten but for those that don't know um and Anfield in the 80s was like a fortress no one went there and won anything ever I don't remember Arsenal ever winning during the 80s so to do what we did in the last game of the season, with virtually the last kick of the ball, it has to be the best ending of any Division One, Premier League, whatever you want to call it. I don't care what City say about Aguero. Yes, that was phenomenal, but they beat QPR at home. It's a totally different aspect. And I've got many City fans that I argue with about this. Um, it was just... Amazing. I did write a blog about it. I don't write blogs. It's, it's my only blog and probably the only one I ever write. And um, I, I put it on Twitter today and everyone's really enjoyed reading it because it's from my perspective. I left Essex at 10 o'clock in the morning because my dad told me about the roadworks, told us, and we all moaned 10 o'clock in the morning for a 7 o'clock click kickoff or 8 o'clock. I can't remember what time it was, was supposed to be. And honestly, it took us about... Princess. 
eight over. It took us six hours to get there. My dad was so right because when we were in our seats at the Anfield Road end, half of it was empty because they were streaming in Gooners during during the game because everyone got stuck on the M6. Um, but so many funny things happened. I mean, there's one thing my dad told me today that I didn't even know happened. I couldn't remember that on the way home, we stopped off on a service station and we ate we have some food and next to us was George Graham's children. I didn't know this. And I don't remember the uh, conga either. That's something that other people have written about. I don't remember that. But one of the funniest you, things how, was. How, how old? You'd, you'd only been what? Three. <laughs> yeah. I, I was 19. I, I, I was trying to be careful there. <laughs> I was 19. and But honestly, one of the funniest things is when we got to Anfield about four o'clock, you think we'd been travelling since 10. Um, there was no gooners around. No one. There was just us. There was about Trev, six of you? us. Huh? Where was Trev? Trev, where were you? Oh, oh Fergus, I was watching it at home, mate. I didn't go. I didn't think we had open Ella going through. I didn't go <laughs> no. to many football matches in them days because I had young kids. And it's the biggest regret of my life because I could have got a ticket and I could have gone. And I didn't go. Wow. And the princess is is right about what happened. It, princess, it, I, I think off the top of my head, people could check. I think it was fifteen years since we'd won at Anfield. The Arsenal. Oh, that I've night. got. We hadn't do won you know what? I, years. I, well, I'd had been four then, wouldn't I? But what I wanted to say was, when we got to Anfield yeah. and I was around, um, they weren't ITV then. I think they were London Weekend Television. Elder, I can't yeah. remember, but it was the ITV camera crew came looking for Gooners, and there was only us us and then Tom Watt turned up and we were interviewed at Anfield at six o'clock that night. Um, we were supposed to be going on the pitch, but um, Liverpool wouldn't let us in. So we had to do it outside. And it was, it, it was surreal. There's so many things. I can't even remember what I did last week. Yet I can remember 32 years ago today, exactly, you know, how I felt, what went on. I remember saying to my dad, when Thomas missed the first chance, can we go? I cannot see Liverpool lift it. I can't cope. We're so close, but can we go and miss the traffic? My dad looked at me and went, we don't leave early. No, we never leave early. And we don't. We never left Highbury early. But I was so pissed off. And when I met Michael Thomas and I interviewed him, I said to him, why couldn't you have scored the first one? Why could we have not enjoyed it? But no, you had to miss that and, and, and dash our hopes and then... The rest is history, but it was just... And then the weekend that we was all at Islington Town Hall and it just carried on for days. And and you know the one thing that Tottenham will never, ever, ever experience what we did? The amount of trophies we've won over the years, they'll never experience it. Can you imagine being a Tottenham fan that night? Can you only imagine? Thomas has missed. Nope. We've got about three minutes left or whatever it is. You're sitting there, aren't you? Straight away. There's no social media in 1989. There's no mobile phones. There's nothing. Can you imagine the amount of messages we would have got as Arsenal fans from all our Tottenham mates at that moment? Because they always go too early. And then and, and, and that's probably that. the beauty of that's probably the beauty of what it was because it was one of the few t uh, games that were shown on TV. Um, I wasn't really. I'd just come over to London. And um, I wasn't hugely into the, the the football. He had obviously had the um, 
Hillsborough disaster as well, which yeah. delayed that game. Um, but it was just like it was everybody could see it. It was every pub it was Friday night. Every pub had people had tellies on 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 pub tables just to watch the game. Dan, uh, Tony, finally on this one, um, you've seen the movie, you've seen the film. Obviously, not old enough to to be around. Well, t- Tony probably. Um, he said he went to football at he was 18 months old um but um I, i'm joking i'm taking the mick out of you tony but did you go to to anfield just <laughs> no nah. nah, the first game the first game i ever went to i was i was 18 months old and i went to numerous games as a kid dragged across the to, to the north bank but anfield definitely wasn't one of the games i went to i've had family that went my only um, memory of that game was at the end of my nan and granddad's house all the family was around and then just at the end, jumping up and down, celebrating with champagne. That's the only memory I have of it. I don't have no memory of the game live. It's just that moment where I was in my nan and granddad's living room and, and the family were jumping around, you know, spraying champagne and popping champagne. So that's my only memory of the, of the day itself. Um, I, I was, what, two, three? So, yeah, I've got no memory. But obviously, you know your history, you learn your history and you know everything that's that happened on that day but in terms of a season ticket holder if there's one game I could have ever have gone to in my life that was it I, I, I just I just wish I was around old enough to have gone to that game the stories my uncle tells me parties at the service stations and that yeah just everything was just it, it, that that game the whole thing was just designed for me um and unfortunately I my mum and dad uh, I think the closest the, the closest game that would have come to it would have been if we had won in Paris in 2004. Do you know what, Fergus? I was in Paris and it, it it's not the same. It would have been phenomenal to win it. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, I cried that night. I don't often cry in football, but I actually cried. Um, but it, it's not the same because it's the whole build-up. It's the whole everything. The fact that you're going to a fortress, us, it, it was just hilarious. But one thing I forgot mm. to tell you was on the M25 on the way home, we we caught up with the coach. I had the coach next to me. With All I remember is Nigel Winterburn holding holding the, the, the trophy, wow. jumping up and down. They pulled off to Southgate and we carried on round to Essex. So um, it was... Honestly, it was just, I don't think it will be beaten, as I said, unless we beat Tottenham in some kind of final somewhere in the last moments. Will you experience that feeling? I was thrown up and down. I was, oh, my God. And they threw bouquets of flowers out for Hillsborough, and I got one of those. But being young, and I'm gutted that I never brought it home. I just put it under my chair. Um, I, the guy in front caught it and gave it to me. But there's just so much. There's just so much that went on that unless you were there, I, I'm, it's... I'm, I'm extremely do you reckon, do you reckon extreme. played down. Sorry, Ferg. Do you reckon the reason it's played down and the Aguero's played up some more is purely because it's, you know, the Sky Sports era? Yeah Premier, yeah, Premier League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, know what, Tony? Yeah. They, they showed us an ITV and cut it off after 10 minutes. We've just beaten Liverpool with 10 minutes. I don't even yeah. think we had longer than nine minutes, actually. I think it went... And four and minutes with an advert break. Yeah, you know, so so I mean, so so lucky for me, I was there, I saw it all, and you lot will get to see it in different ways that I I saw it. I mean, Kev Kev was telling me he was in my stand as a as a player, a young player playing for the Arsenal. He was in our stand and then eventually ended up on the pitch. You don't see all those things on telly. If this was Sky Sports, no. this had been going on for four or five hours after they'd have interviewed all of us. You know, so, 
but but it but it is something that it is such a shame because I'd have wished more w- were there because it is the most amazing night in Arsenal's history. My dad was at 71, both. He was at Wembley and he was at Tottenham. And we asked him. Trev, Trev was probably with him, actually, I think. Trev was what, probably with him. 71, <laughs> Wembley. 71, yeah, he would have been. And yeah, he would have probably been about 45. He would have been about 45 <laughs> about then, PG. I was, um, I was 39, Fergus. <laughs> Right. Uh, but my Dan, dad was Dan. asked though the only oh, reason I'm saying is sorry Ferg yeah. my dad was asked because for me I thought he would say Tottenham that night we won the double in 71 because he told me stories about that see now their game I would have loved to have been at oh my god would I have loved to have been at that the way people talk about Anfield loving to be there but um, he said that Anfield just edged it for him and I think being with me as well I suppose but um, yeah Dan there's only one minute to go, mate. Honestly, one minute. Um, you probably, <laughs> <I like laughs> you pro- you probably, we are going to close. But um, just your <laughs> yeah. your final thoughts on on the eighty nine. Yeah, sure. uh, you've seen the DVD, and uh, then then we'll we'll be out of here. Yeah, I think when you look at it, it's uh, going to be. 10 million trillion times better than the Aguero situation purely because you're playing the team that you have to beat uh, in a game that no one's given you any credit for and uh, and given you any, uh, any belief that you're going to do it. Yeah. So I think it has to be one of the greatest ever, well, the greatest ever Arsenal moment uh, in history. I was like Tony, I don't know how old Tony is now, but I was two. Um, I was born in 87. So when Rocky put that goal in against Spurs, I was born. Uh, and then 89... Um, I missed out on my earliest memory was 93 when we beat the Sheffield Wednesdays and then Palmer in 94. That was my probably my earliest Arsenal memory. Um, so I missed out, but I would have loved to have seen it. It's um, it's just amazing ending to a season and one that I don't think we'll ever see again, personally, by anybody. I think it's outstanding. Bev, I'll give you the last words then. Go on. Oh, well, it's, it's simple, Fergus. I've loved just sitting here listening to all this because we're all Arsenal fans and we love to hear stories like the Princess has just come up with. It it wasn't the greatest ending to an Arsenal game ever. It was the greatest ending to a game of football ever. There's never been better, Fergus. There's never been better than than that. Two teams two teams at the top of the league, Liverpool very rarely beaten at home. People, don't, people of, of, not of that area era don't realise just how good Liverpool were. You didn't yeah. go to Anfield and win. And you certainly didn't go to Anfield and win by two goals to nil. You know, and George, George Graham let us down a bit because I can remember George Graham predicted we were going to win three nil, so he was wrong. But uh, <laughs> I dare say he'd take the two nil. He'd take the two nil instead of the three nil, George Graham. It was, it was the perfect performance. Played three centre-backs when we all didn't expect him to. We all wondered what he was doing. Then it, halfway through the second half, he changes it. He takes Steve Bold off. And I just wish I was there like the princess was. There's other stories I can tell you. And they'd be brilliant stories. But they won't quite match that. You know, and and, and, and we are the Arsenal. And we've been involved in so many great games like that, Fergus. More than any other team. 79. Amazing. I was at Wembley in 79 to watch speak Man United. As Princess rightly says, it doesn't quite match. 89, different circumstances. But by God, it was the best finish to a cup final I've ever seen. You yeah. know, 71, I can remember as a kid, I wasn't allowed to go. We lived in Tottenham as a, as a kid. And I watched the high road filling up all afternoon. Tottenham High Road, normally full of Tottenham fans. 
you didn't see a Tottenham fan hardly. It was full of people walking from Islington down to, to Tottenham. But but I've loved listening to that, Princess. Thank you very much. You've made me very jealous and a bit sick, really, because I could have gone to that game and I didn't. I didn't have the bottle to go. And I'm glad you did. And you were there to tell us the stories. And, and just to sum it up, Fergus, what we've just talked about is a massive reminder to everybody that we are the Arsenal. We are the best. You know, other teams may have won a bit more. We are the best. And all I ask is our fans, stay patient. They will return because everything goes in circles and the good times will return. Hopefully in my lifetime we'll return and I'm sure we will. The only thing I ask now in my lifetime, and I say this with all seriousness because it makes me sad, is I want to see us win the Champions League. So yeah. I want to see us improve. And I want all the, the fans of my era, we've seen everything my age. I've seen the, the Arsenal do everything. You can't name a thing that I've not seen the Arsenal do. But I've not seen us win the Champions League. And that's all I ask. I'll die an happy man tomorrow if we won the Champions League tonight. So thank you, Princess. Thank you, everybody. Aww. Keep the faith. Up <laughs> the Arsenal from the old man. I made myself <laughs> bloody you, cry there. <laughs> <laughs> right, listen. Um, we've really enjoyed episode 183 of the podcast ones. Um, I think it's about 250 overall podcast we've got on video and audio um it's been a, a really difficult season for loads of reasons right through lockdown and personal reasons and uh just trying to support a team with no fans and everything else but the one thing that i've really enjoyed is uh, the support of of uh my fellow gooners dan trev pg's on here today and tony um it it it's it's been really good. It's been good uh, to have friends and and share a common uh, a common love uh, and a common um, a common goal and direction that we like and something to talk about. Uh, and I thank you all in the chat. We do see lots of regular people: James Heath, uh, Trules, who hasn't been here tonight. He's probably watching the. Uh, uh, crying in his beer over the um, the uh, Europa League. Andy Fink, uh, Arnie, and 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 loads more, which I won't run through the whole lot. But we do really thank you for your support over the last uh, last season. Uh, we're probably going to take a little bit of a hiatus uh, for at least a month. I, I just need to stop for a little while. Um, Football comes back on the 14th of August. I'm sure we'll be back before then. Uh, but thank you very much for all your support. Uh, thank you, uh, T, PG, Trev, Potsy, for joining us tonight. Really enjoyed it. It's been a long one, uh, but I think it's been worth it. And for the people who've uh, stuck with us throughout the whole night, thank you very much. And the ones who are listening back and watching back, I uh, hope you enjoy it. Please do tell your friends about us. Um, you know, we, we are genuinely just Arsenal fans. As our motto says, is for Arsenal fans, by Arsenal fans. Thanks very much. Have a great summer. Keep safe. And uh, up the arse. You've been listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons and Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us too.